0: me, um, the times we're together on Sundays are probably one of the most important times of the week because there's just something different happens when we're together. There's an amplified measure of God's presence because we all who believe bring that presence with us. And I hope that you're here this morning and you just maybe shut your eyes for a minute and just raise your expectations. In Mark 6, there was a lot of people pressing in on Jesus. And they were Believing that if they could even just touch his clothes, they would be healed. And in Mark 6:56 it says, "As many as touched him were made well." We try to do a lot of things in the natural to connect with God or to accomplish things in our life, but there's something very simple. it's in our spirit, and it reaches out and touches the Lord. Right now, why don't we just close our eyes? Do you have a need? Do you have something? Let your heart reach out and touch Jesus. Lord, you're so intimately aware with each one of us. Some of us might be sitting here just feeling like I haven't been good enough or I have a couple of things that are blocking me. Lord, we reach beyond that by your grace and by your blood to reach beyond and touch you at the point of our need. The stories about you, Lord, were about people who had needs and some of them followed you for a number of days and at different times but there came a moment when something happened in their heart and they were able to reach out and touch you receiving healing physical healing, emotional healing, having burdens lifted off, having sins and strongholds broken in their lives today we need to touch you Jesus, we know your word says that you live in our hearts once we ask you to come into our hearts but in this natural world and our mind, will and emotions we don't always sense you Lord, we want to touch you today. Lord, even as you've reached out to sinful man and connected us through Jesus Christ, help us to touch you today and experience more change. We ask it in Jesus' name. You know, it's interesting, Donna talked about having a root pulled, and I just felt my appetizer today was kind of like on that line. You know, in Mark 4, the whole chapter talks about the sower and it 's about sowing the seed and about the Word of God coming in and finding root sometimes in places in people's hearts and in other places and finding rocky soil people starting a relationship with God, but then getting having that that thing that started having the seed of god 's word and the the change that happens through accepting Christ, other things come in and choke it off people find other. Priorities and life gets busy, and sometimes the things that we get distracted with are not bad things, but somehow they just take the place of Jesus. And today I would say, ask Jesus, ask the Father to teach you. Ask your Heavenly Father to teach you. And many aspects were involved in learning on our jobs, at school, we're always learning, trying to, uh, me, I'm always trying to learn my computer better, new phone, new upgrade on my computer. It's always like I'm starting over again. But God wants us to look to him. Our father wants to look to him as our teacher. He wants to teach us. He wants to help us now, but he wants to teach us and prepare us for eternity. There is life in the seed of God's word. There is life-changing truths that come through the seed of God's word. In Mark 4, 2 and 3, And Jesus taught them many things in parables, illustrations or comparisons, put beside truths to explain them. And in Jesus' teachings, he said to them, give attention to this. Give attention to the teachings, the word of God, combined with the spirit of God. Jesus did the word one better. He was the word that became flesh. He brought the Word of God into their ears, before their minds. But it was the Spirit of God on him that caused the Word and the Spirit to bring life. And even the Pharisees and the Sadducees say, there's something different about this teacher. There's a power in this teacher that changes our lives, that changes us. The Bible is the most incredible, incorruptible seed that we can take in. With all the ideas bombarded on us daily, God's word is the incredible seed. It takes root deep in our heart, and it brings fruit and results in our lives. Through that whole section, uh, verses 1 through 29, talks about the different scenarios of the seed and how it's received and people who could receive it and people who didn't receive it. But Mark four thirty and 34, Jesus says some more things he kind of reminds us that we have to be our own farmer. We have to weed and feed our hearts and our minds, and those things that are coming to us, that we can make sure that we are allowing the seed and the truths that God's bringing to us to become established so that they can bring fruit in our lives, so they can grow those deep roots that, that keep us stabilized in the truths of God and the things he's wanting us to grow into. In Mark 4.30, Jesus said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use to illustrate and explain it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown upon the ground is the smallest of all seeds upon the earth. Yet after it is sown, it grows up and becomes the greatest of all garden herbs and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air are able to make nests and dwell in them. Do you remember some of you older Christians when it first started, when that mustard seed went into your heart? And now can you imagine the strength that you have inside of your spirit today because that thing has grown so big? And those birds nesting are people who come to you, and they pour out their hearts, and you're able to share truths about the kingdom of God that can bring the same change. People, God has people to nest in your faith to nest in that taproot of God that came when you accepted Jesus Christ. And even though the enemy tries to sow tares, he tries to distract and disturb us, he tries to uproot our root of faith. If we hang on and let God nourish us, we will grow stronger and stronger in the knowledge of the kingdom of God of which we are a part of. I call this my key verse for my appetizer. Mark 4.33. With many such parables, short stories, Jesus spoke the word to them, to his followers, to his disciples, as they were able to hear and to comprehend and to understand. A couple weeks ago when I was teaching on sowing the seed and the roots of God that he wants to establish in us, I talked about the roots in our lives that God wants to pull out. I talked about that when we nourish the kingdom of God in our life, when we nourish the word of God by praying over what we read, by hanging on to those things that the Holy Spirit makes alive to us or quickens to us, when we pray about those things, we are watering that seed so we can bring forth fruit, so it can be so established in us that there's fruit coming out of what we've just received from the Lord, and it takes some time. God wants to feed us continually. We're in a society I mentioned a couple weeks ago where we are tantalized. We always have to have something new going on. We go to even different services or we hear different speakers. We're looking for nuggets. But it's the seed of the Word of God. It's what Jesus is saying to you personally and what the Holy Spirit is emphasizing. That's what's going to make you grow. That's what's going to be established to help you keep growing, not just quick little experiences. You need deep faith roots. You need deep connections with God in your personal life. You need to grow as the Holy Spirit is giving you opportunities through the things he's saying to you to grow and be established so that you can be the strongest Christian that you could be. Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear and comprehend and understand. As you read your Bible, even as you come to services or you're in our study groups or as we listen to Thrive on Wednesdays, Ask God to help me hear and understand the message that he's speaking to me. Holy Spirit, help me to understand what you're trying to say to me. Help me to hold on to those truths that you're, that you're wanting me to embrace, that my life can be totally transformed and changed. As you pray over that, you're going to see those roots established. And you're going to see the fruit, and you're going to have a deeper faith in God and what he's doing in your life. In verse 34, it says that, Privately, his disciples would ask him about the things that he taught. And it says that he explained everything fully. Do you have doubts? Do you have questions? Ask the Holy Spirit. Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of what he's trying to speak to you so that you can grasp them with your own understanding and with the understanding that's involved with your heart and your spirit and your relationship with God. Last week, I I started a message on how do we come to know a person. And it's really us getting to know God more and more because really, he's the one person that we're to know first and foremost. He's the one we're going to know throughout eternity. And knowing him helps us to know the people around us to the most, to the best, to the deepest places, our family members. It's our relationship with God that gives us the grace to be listeners, to understand people, to forgive people. And when people are loved and forgiven and understood, they want to open up and they want to be our friends. And so coming to know Jesus first, coming to know God, coming to know who the Holy Spirit is will help us grow. Knowing on a spirit-to-spirit level, 2 Corinthians five fourteen through 16 I'm reading from the Amplified. The Apostle Paul wrote us, For the love of Christ controls and urges and impels us, because we are of the opinion and conviction that if one Jesus died for all, then all died. And Jesus died for all so that all those who live might live no longer to to themselves or for themselves, but to and for him who died and was raised again, for their sake, Paul's reminding us that we're born again, we're dead to sin, we're we're um, been crucified with him, but now we're alive to God. So we're alive to be able to know God into the deepest level, in the deepest places. Then he talks about the ability to know and be known. He goes on in verse sixteen. Consequently, from now on, we estimate and regard no one from a purely human point of view in terms of a natural standard or value. No, even though we once did estimate Christ from a human viewpoint and as a man, yet now we have such knowledge of him that we know him no longer in terms of his flesh. Jesus, when he was in bodily form. Again, it's taking the knowledge of Jesus and having it become experiential in our spiritual life, in our relationship with him. We understand from the historical standpoint that Jesus loved sinners. He came to die for them. He healed people. He fed people. He delivered people. He did miracles. That's the Jesus we read about in the Bible. But we have to ask the question, how do I know Jesus today? Who is he to me personally? Do I know about him because of what I read and what what I've learned in church? What do I know from my own experience and as we just kind of take a little inventory of what we know about God, it helps us to be able to grasp and get a deeper understanding of who he is to us and how we're growing in our own experience of knowing who he is. So what has your personal experience been? What has it been up to today? Are you experiencing him today? Every day when we get up and every day is new, we should be saying, God, I want to know you deeper today. I want to experience you to the deepest level. I want to forget about yesterday. Because it has no real value today. All I have is today in this moment. God, help me to know who you are. Reveal yourself. Help me to recognize you in this life I'm living in the natural. Help me to recognize your hand. Help me to see what you're doing around me. We've been given a great spiritual ability to know once we've been reconnected with God through Jesus Christ. In 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah. He is a new creation, a new creature altogether. The old previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, the fresh and new has come. Being born again, sometimes it doesn't seem very important to us, but asking Jesus Christ to be Lord of our life begins the transformation, begins the ability now our spirit is connected to God He has looked at us through his son, Jesus, and he doesn't see us as sinners. He sees us as children of God. He sees us with a new spiritual DNA that we have the blood of Jesus flowing over us, running through our veins, and we're God's children. So we have a relationship that's been established. He made the effort to do that for us. And now our effort is responding, just being open and vulnerable, being honest with him, how we feel, you know, even sometimes when we feel distant, being honest with him, getting that dialogue going so that we can develop this relationship we have through Jesus Christ. A little bit of review. Who do you know? And we talked about, you know, the people we know. How did it happen? How did it start? There was maybe we were introduced to someone or we introduced ourselves and relationships, friendships started. There are people that we encounter or have encountered in our life and instantaneously something happens to us and we're instantly connected. How many know you've connected with people and it goes to such a deep level almost automatically? That's that place that we, we have this ability to know people and it seems strange or almost weird. But that's how God made us to be able to have those kind of connections. I think those are the levels where we have a deep heart and spirit connection. It's beyond just a natural connection, or maybe you're doing things in the in the same way, or maybe it's a coworker where you have this level of friendship. But there's those levels where your heart and spirit are instantly connected, and you begin to to be open. And then there's a the depth because your heart is connected. There's a depth in relationship that begins to happen that is is at the deepest level. In John six forty four, Jesus is uh, How he's trying to, get kind of shows us how he's connecting to people and how he, he's being introduced. Jesus said, no one is able to come to me unless the Father who sent me attracts and draws him and gives him the desire to come to me, and then I will raise him up from the dead at the last day. Attraction. God uses attraction to connect us in relationship with him. He also uses attraction to connect us in relationship with people. There's something in people that he he uses to draw us together, especially in the body of Christ, in those connections and relationships and fellowship. You might be experiencing them even in the community groups right now where you're connecting with certain people. That's a work of God to establish just that community and the establishment of relationships that's going to keep you connected and help you be encouraged and be an encourager to those you're connecting to so he attracts and he draws us and then he gives us a desire to come to him he initi- initiates this relationship with us and then he continually uh, lets there be an attraction and a drawing so that we want to continue continually develop this relationship with him sometimes maybe our attraction kind of gets a little weak you know we get kind of human and tired it's okay to just pray god just Ignite my love for you again. God, I haven't really maybe wanted to even spend as much time with you. God, will you help me? It doesn't take much to just be able to ask God to help me in my relationship. God, I want to go deeper. Forgive me for uh, ignoring you or being afraid to come to you. You know, sometimes when God begins to work in different areas, we have this little fear we don't want to draw near him. Sometimes he takes us into new places that we really haven't let him be Lord yet. And it's kind of scary because we've been in control or something happened to us to cause us to put a level of control in our lives, and we're afraid of going to that next step. But every place the Holy Spirit will draw us into, He's going to bring us a freedom, a freedom from those fears that we talked about today, singing about how He sets us free from fear. He brings us a freedom from the fears about relationship, being under authority, whatever it is. Knowing people is scary. Knowing God is scary. But as we trust Him, that fear and those scary things break off. You know, last week we said also we're going to pursue the one we want to know. And hopefully what God's doing in our life is encouraging us to pursue him, to know him more and more deeply. Also, when we think about our need to know God and to to be closer with him, it all always kind of, it can kind of check us where we're at. Do we really want to be in pursuit of Jesus? Sometimes we go through seasons where he's not our first priority. We we kind of get after other things. And those things that kind of distract us from pursuing Jesus help us check, you know, our priorities. And it doesn't take a minute to say, you know, hey, I'm sorry I got some things out of order. Help me. Help me to put you first. And it's not like he's going to withhold things. But when we put God first, when we put our relationships in the right order it's thing, the things that we care about seem to come to God. Is a God of giving. He's a God of blessing. He's a God of, who wants to fulfill us. But it comes by just again aligning our priorities. In Luke ten, twenty two, Jesus said, "All things have been given over into my power by my Father." And I wrote in here, I amplify my amplified, all things being the relational ability to know God. All things were given into His power. We know He came to reconnect us with God. We know He had to deal with our sin, but bottom line, what was that? To reconcile us to God. It was all about us coming to know our Heavenly Father, to come into a deeper, satisfying relationship because we live in a world where even the closest people to us, even uh, the perfect loves in our families or in our marriages, they're not going to meet our deepest need, which is to know God. He knows us. He knows everything about us. But we're in the process of learning how to really know him and really find that fulfillment in relationship that we all crave and long for. And no one knows, Jesus went on, who the son is except the father or who the father except the son and anyone to whom the son may choose to reveal and make him known. I don't know about you, but I need that relational ability. It does come from God. It comes from Jesus. I need the ability to wait on God, to be able to make sure I take my time with the Lord, that I'm praying, that my prayers are real, that I'm just not re- rehearsing a bunch of lines that are I'm just shooting out there with not even any hope or expectation that they're going to meet anything or, or be answered, but I'm going through this religious routine. No, God, help me to have this ability to wait on you. God help me. Give me that ability. You you started this relationship, God. Give me the ability to keep connecting, to keep pursuing you, uh, especially when my soul doesn't want to, doesn't feel like it's alive at all. When it, it feels like I'm dead to all relationships. You know those plans where we're those times when we're just shut down, where we're we're just really just shut down relationally. Those are the times God wants to increase our ability to know Him. And we need Jesus to continually revealing the Father to us. Oh, what is this father thing? I'm an old person now. I'm almost 65 years old. What is this father thing? My dad's gone. We have a need to be fathered. God, help me to understand that I need you as my father. I'll never get to the place where I don't need you as my heavenly father, the one who will never leave me, the one who always has the best for me, the one who cares for me more than my father on earth could ever have loved me or cared for me. God, help me. And then it's important You know, that last line of that verse is, the Son of Man chose to reveal and make him known. Anyone, do you realize he chose you? He chose you to make you, know. he wants to make himself known to you. Jesus wants to make the Father known to all of us here in this room. That's heavy duty when you think about it. When all the world is thinking it has life figured out, the future figured out, the world figured out, when they're trying to figure out the next president, God, chose to reveal the Father to us because that was the greatest thing we needed to know. We need to come back into relationship with our Heavenly Father. So he chose us. That's pretty heavy duty. You know, when you know someone cares about you and someone, think of it though, when someone cares about you and they do do all kinds of things for you, doesn't that kind of like set you up to go after them? He set us up to go after him. He set us up to pursue him so that we would know him. You know, before John met Jesus and he he was walking with his own disciples, the Lord told John the Baptist that who he sees the spirit descending on is the Messiah. He's the one that they're waiting for. The one who he's been going ahead of and announcing that the Messiah was going to come. Get ready, the kingdom of God is at hand. In John 1, 35 through 37, it's talking about how John is bringing his disciples and how they encounter Jesus. It says, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples. This is after Jesus was baptized. And looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold the Lamb of God. John had developed a trust with these disciples that were his. But he knew that the Son of God had now been revealed, and so he's pointing out the Lamb of God to his disciples, and he's ready to transfer them over to Jesus. There's a spiritual at work in this transition process where he's going to transition his disciples, some of them, to Jesus. Verse 37 says, The two disciples heard John the Baptist speak, and they followed Jesus. What a trust they had with John. What a trust they had in their heart because they had been following John and there was this message about a preparation that someone was coming, someone worth knowing. And there was this transition taking place. As soon as John said, behold the lamb of God, there was a spiritual thing that happened in the hearts of those disciples where they transferred their loyalty. They came home to a relationship with Jesus that they began to walk out for three and a half years and that they were going to carry on until the day that they died. They followed Jesus. A simple explanation and letting us know that they transferred their heart. They were connecting with the Son of God. Every week I come here, people come and gone, have come and gone in 17 years. My biggest thing is I want you to know Jesus. I want you to know the Father. I want you to pursue him like you pursue no one else. I want you to open up cans of worms that you've pushed down and let God have them. Let the Holy Spirit do a work of deep healing in your heart and in your mind and in your emotions. Let there be a total transformation of who you are into a relationship with a God who will never let you down. You will be tested, you will be tried, you will go through difficulties, but you will learn to hang on with this expectation through the darkest things you go through, knowing that somehow God is going to come through and turn this around. I've seen it over and over and over again. And for me, at my age of almost 64, I know that when I go through the hardest things, I know that there's going to be an answer. I know that God is going to come through. That has come out of my own experience in knowing God. And it leaves this ever deeper place in us that we've got to know God. We've got to know him. We've got to know who he is. We've got to know what he's thinking. We've got to know how we submit our lives into his plan and how we can better follow him. Why? Because there's nothing that satisfies like Jesus. Amen. In John 1 40 through 42, one of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. We must ask God to so experience and know him that it overflows. That we get so excited with our friends who are in troubles and trials. And we tell them, I got to tell you, Jesus is real. Jesus has an answer for your problem. Jesus cares about what you're going through. I don't know what he's going to do. But let me pray with you. God wants to reveal himself. God wants wants you to be changed, we have to be like Andrew, where we are bringing people to Jesus. But that will only happen as we come into this deeper place of knowing God for ourselves. It's going to up and overflow out of us. What do you think happened to those disciples? They were so transformed by their relationship and experience with God. They had something so deeply fulfilled in them that they had to, to leave everything and follow Jesus. And sometimes that scares us, because as we begin to follow and know Jesus, there's things he wants us to let go of. And it's hard, because it's the only thing we've hung on to, and we're scared. But I tell you, if you keep taking those steps that he gives you the grace to do, to let go of things, you will find such a fulfillment in following Jesus, you'll think, like, why did I hang on to that thing? That thing was nothing compared to what I've got now in following Jesus, and knowing who he is, and experiencing the love and relationship that cannot be topped. When you find Jesus, you found the one you really need to know. Now, when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. Do you know Jesus? He knows about your future. And there are prophetic words the Holy Spirit will speak to you that will turn you around. He'll talk to you like he talked to Peter. I see a stone. I see you as a stone. I see you as a spiritual rock for people. I see you as one who's going to bring the word of God to people. When God speaks those things to us because we're we're learning and knowing him. We're spending time growing in our spiritual sensitivity with him. He says profound things to us that make us know that my life is so much bigger than what I think I know on my own and how I'm, I'm trying to be in control of my life. When we surrender to Jesus and continually know him, he unfolds a deeper part of how we and what he's created us to be and, what, and the things he's created us to do. There's a prophetic impartation. That was the thing that he spoke. When he spoke that to Simon, he saw Simon in the future. And Simon connected with the God who created him, and there was something that linked with that God who created him that he could settle down and go through this process of letting who he knew develop who he was to be. Followers come to know who they follow. Maybe um, whoever's going to play our keyboard would come, Brian, if that's you. <coughs> John 143 through 47 The following day Jesus wanted to go to Galilee and he found Philip and said to him follow me You know that some of you are hearing a call some of you are hearing a call that goes deeper some of you are hearing a call to put God first and and eventually get into ministry That call goes so deep but it connects with a place that is so powerful so life changing so scary that you must follow Jesus Because only he can bring that call to pass in our lives. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Will you stand with me? as we open the altars like we do every week maybe there's a place that you want to connect or you need to connect with to God as they just begin to play right where you're at make this a a, a time of real connecting with God of really reaching out you know this place is just a little wooden ledge but it represents a place when you come and get on your knees where you're you're at the mercy seat. You're at the throne of God. When you, when you take a step to come up here, it's like saying, I don't care what anybody else might be thinking or th- seeing if I'm going forward, but I need to connect with God. It's been a long time. I need to connect with God. Maybe you've been carrying a burden that is too big for you, and you need a breakthrough. Maybe you're just downright angry, and you need God to do something. You come, and you say, God, here I am. It's like those people that said, I must touch Jesus. I much touched Jesus. Maybe you're here. Last week I talked about the veil. Jesus broke the veil between us and God in the temple, and heaven was connected with with us because of what Jesus did. But I also talked last week we have veils in our own lives. There are veils. There are life experiences. There are disappointments. There are places in God we've been disappointed. In, and they become the veils that separate us from our relationship with God. They separate us from the joy and the peace that God wants to give us. They separate us from the next step in our life that God wants to bring to us. Sometimes they separate us from that relationship God has for us that we're trying to get on our own. But until we connect with God and surrender, we cannot have what he really has for us. He watches. He waits. He waits for the brokenness of the heart. He waits for us. Sometimes they have to get to the place where we cry out, Jesus, I need you. I cannot stay under this any longer. I cannot be this way any longer. Maybe it's a sin, a habit. I can no longer live with this. I've got to be free. And when you come, God begins to break off those things. You get up and you leave this place with a hope, with an expectation that something is changing. Whatever you need to do in the next seven minutes, the altar is open.